want to welcome you to our weekly Bible study, April 22nd, 2007. And this study is most likely, depending on how it goes, going to be devoted toward covering a subject that's very pertinent to the day and time we're living in. And it will be affecting all of our futures, and really is affecting our futures right now as we speak. We're going to be talking about today of this North American Union between Canada and Mexico. Uh, the coming currency that we are going that is going to be imposed on us called the Amero, the Trans Texas Corridor, which is already in the works and is already being built, as we're going to be finding out. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about all of the legislation that's pushing us into this. And the reason I've, I've elected to talk about this is because there's a lot of things that we're going to be going over right now as you're going to see that um, are really heating up in regard to exposing this. And it's really starting to hit home. This is something that the government has almost flat out denied at certain times that this was ever even going to happen. And yet there's so much proof out there that it actually exists, that uh, the, the proof is so overwhelming. And th in this email, or, or in this study, I'm sorry, I'm going to be putting this up on the internet soon, and with it I'm going to be putting up the pertinent articles that, that you can click on the links and go to yourself, search this thing out to see whether these things be true or not, as the Bereans did in Acts, so that you can understand the full scope of this, because I can't cover every single thing today, but we're going to really try to hit the high points and see what's going on with this and how it's going to relate to all of us in America in a very, very big way in the very near future. So this first article that we were going to talk about today is called A Dark Moon Rising. It was written by a guy named Tim Finley in Range Magazine. This is page 42. Range Magazine, Spring Edition, 2007. And the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses a thing is established. So we're going to look at a few different witnesses today in regard to this in regard to this problem so we can have a broader perspective on what we're dealing with here and we're going to see that all we're going to have is confirmation of this point starting out this article it reads as north has north america been sold did it go for a bargain price secretly Se secretly agreed to by the three most powerful politicians on the continent without a howdy Ola or Hale Britannica to the people who elected them. Under the plan, more than 500 million people are meant to be literally incorporated into a North American Union as early as 2010. They are expected to share natural resources, military defense, and universal system of education that will, after long-held values, customs, and traditions, and even change their languages. Law enforcement, health care, and cultural activities, as well as virtually all trade, will be financed with a new currency of the North Americans called the Amero. This is the, this is the currency that's coming. Nowhere would the impact be felt greater than in the American West, cut off as a virtual subcontinent by an artificial but impassable barrier of a colossal superhighway cutting through the central heartland of the United States between the meaningless border of Canada and, Mexico, Canada and Mexico. So there's going to be this big road. Uh, the, the, the road is, is um, 
is actually being built right now in some parts in Texas. It's actually being built. And we're going to see that. Going back to the article, it is not a computer program or an academic exercise. It is the essence of an informal agreement reached by the so-called tri-national leaders of the continent to surrender the sovereignty of the nations to a gigantic corporate cartel. Again, it's always about the money. The love of money is the root of all evil. And we're going to see that's, no, that's very, very true with this as well. Go back to the article, will the people of the United States, Mexico, and Canada resist it? In spite their own illusions about democracy and representative government, can they resist? The arrogant architects of the North American Union are almost certain they cannot. So see, the thing I've noticed about the politicians anymore, they're so arrogant, they're so flagrant, they're so thinking and seeming they are above the law, they don't really care what we do anymore. I couldn't do the level of exposing of truth that I'm doing now 20 years ago. I, I think I would have taken a bullet for it. But there's a lot of people that have come out of the woodwork even lately and said, I couldn't say this 20 years ago. I believe part of that is that they're so far advanced in these agendas that they don't really care what you do anymore. They're like, go for it. Do whatever you... Do. It just makes me... I think what it does is it makes them easier to identify us. Now... The thing that they're not understanding is that God, the Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ, are on the throne. And that they're only permitted to do what God would let them do. That's the one thing they're not seeing. The problem in this country is is that there's such a small remnant of people who really want the truth and, and people that are really right with God... And even of that small remnant, I would have to say, or venture to say, most of them aren't aware of what we're even going to be getting into today. If you're not aware of something, how do you pray against it? How do you do that? I mean, you could say, well, we're not supposed to pray against it. It's just going to happen. Well, aren't we called to be salt and light? If we're called to be salt and light, salt is a preservative and an irritant. It preserves whatever it's in. And and are you telling me we're just supposed to sit back and, 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 and what are we supposed to do? Well, the Bible says, bless them that curse you. Okay, so we're supposed to bless these people in their wickedness and pray that God would bless them in their wickedness so they could do more wickedness. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me at all. Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Was he praying that Paul... Alexander the coppersmith be blessed in his wickedness? Think about that. Jesus called the Pharisees and Sadducees serpents and vipers. Was he blessing them? Was he, was, was, was he blessing them so that they could go forth and commit more wickedness? I don't think so. So we have to, like the Bible says, come let us reason together, saith the Lord. Let's be reasonable here. I pray that all their souls be saved, if it be possible. If it be possible. But see, God knows the beginning from the end. So He knows who's going to get saved and who's not going to get saved. I pray Psalm 64 every day over these types of situations. Or I try to. Sometimes more than once. Because Psalm 64 is asking for protection, but it's also asking that God expose the deeds of the wickedness. And that they be dealt with in this life. Why? Well, 
In Psalm 64 it says, When they're dealt with, all men will see and fear and declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider His doing. That's what we need. We need fear of God in this country. We don't need more fear of man. And I'm not bringing this, this teaching today about this North American Union so I'm, as to try to instill more fear of man in people. We need to get our eyes right from the start of this teaching We need to get our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Realize He's on the throne. He is the author and finisher of our faith. And that we can do all things through Christ which strengthen us. Greater is He that is in the world than He... Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We need to think on those types of verses. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't stop thinking about things whatsoever things are good and pure and lovely. But we also want to know what Satan's devices are lest he get an advantage of us. 2 Corinthians 2.11 Now, if we don't know about something, how do we know to pray about it? Well, that's why I'm doing this. To, to, to give us some education so that we do know how to pray about it and hopefully to create enough public awareness to throw as big of a gigantic monkey wrench into this thing as we possibly can. Because it's evil. This is so evil. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today, and you're going to see that easy enough. It's, it's not going to be hard to see. It's, the evil is very apparent. Um, and we're going to be looking into that a lot further. So, Getting back to this article, the concept of America has already gone in the description of a new America that leaves the borders between three nations as little more than speed bumps. And its deep integration plans to control the lives of individuals is once unimaginable in in once in once unimaginable ways, as if Orwell was a new chapter discovered in their secular Bible. Now, what he obviously means there by Orwell is that book 1984, I believe it was, when this is where we get the term Big Brother from, these types of things. So, this is a lot more than just taking down the borders. This is about controlling every single facet of all of our lives to the nth degree. Um, and I'm going to be giving my theories on what I believe is going to lead up to this today as we go along. And then this, this short passage says then, is it, is it a new world or a dark moon rising? So we'll look a little further into this article now. The first, uh, first page of this, page 43, this Range Magazine article, I'm looking at a picture here of Texas Governor... Rick Perry, what a low life he is. This man is a devil. <laughs> Wait do you hear what he's, what he's done. Texas Governor Rick Perry prepares to deliver remarks as he announces de- details of a state transportation plan on January 28, 2002. Now this is 2002, okay? In Austin, Texas, the artist's rendering at the left illustrates the Trans-Texas Corridor Plan, said by some to improve the state's transportation needs of the future. Now, this is a governor, he's standing next to this plan of this big, gigantic superhighway called the Trans-Texas Corridor. This was back in 2002, okay? Um... And this is what's so amazing about so many of the governmental sources. They'll say, well, this, this doesn't exist. Why is this governor standing here, and there's pictures, and, and it's all available, and it's not anybody's opinion or imagination. Why is he giving a presentation on it if it's, if it's never going to happen? This, this 
part of the article is called Breaking the Heartland, again by this Tim Finley. Quoting from it, it was animated. It was an animated conversation among friends and neighbors at a local diner. Something about traffic congestion and road repair. Coffee talk, much like Annalise Kerner had heard all of her life in San Antonio. But as she listened, Annalise felt a deep chill. They were talking about a monstrous new development called the Trans-Texas Corridor, and she realized from their description that it is meant to cross over the 30 acres. With that it's meant to cross over her 30 acres with its chair's hacienda built in 1798 that is her her home of her and her husband and their two young children. So see, this thing's going to... They're going to have to bulldoze a lot of homes. They're going to have to do a lot of things because this thing is going to eat up a monstrous amount of land. Getting back to the article, Santa Ana's own cavalry had once camped there. All the flags flown in Texas may have fluttered there in their own time. The arrowheads still found by visiting children attest to the even longer history. Never in more than two centuries have the the 18 to 20 inch thick stone walls been breached, but the Trans-Texas Corridor, she hears, cannot be stopped. Like most, most Texans, the Kernerts regard Rick Perry's grandiose, now Rick Perry's this governor, they regard Rick Perry's grandiose speeches in 2001, about meeting the future growth in Texas to be part of campaign rhetoric. Annalise had not really noticed in 2004 when in the middle of, her, of his full first term, the governor accepted a $7 billion investment of the Spanish corporation Sintra and declared it, quote, one of the most significant days in transportation history. A $7 billion uh, what, what do they refer to that as? $7 billion investment by the Spanish corporation Sintra. Wow. Speaking like a coach with a winning score in the Sugar Bowl, Perry said the Spanish investment, quote, will not only bring the Trans-Texas Corridor from conception to completion, it will change forever the way we build roads in Texas. Now, I'm not going over every part of this article for time's sake, but I'm looking here at the... uh, one of the renderings of this Trans-Texas Corridor goes all the way through our country, all the way up into Canada, splits it right in half, and uh, I've seen many different renderings of, of, of this. Uh, there's ones that um, are up on the internet, and I'll probably, uh, probably with this email I'll send out, I'll probably try to get a these, one of these images within the email itself. So you can see. Uh, a lot of these emails I try to put out, I try to kind of make them all encompassing, where you have all the information you, you need right at your fingertips. You don't even have to go research it. I've done all the work for you. And all you got to do is click on links if you want to know more about it. And what that does is it makes it very easy then to forward that to somebody without you having to go out and reinvent the wheel. This is just the way, the thing the Lord's put on my heart to to be able to help people do. The next page I'm looking at um, shows a picture of these these this Kernert family and in front of their uh, their house, this this their hacienda they referred to it as the one that's gonna have to be bulldozed in order for this Trans Texas corridor to come through. Now they were told that it can't be stopped and they were also told that they're just they're supposed to just accept a fair price and get out of the way. Because it's like one of those things. Now again, 
I believe if the remnant was out there really praying against this thing, I really believe it could be stopped. But with the apathy that I see in this country, in general, on a day-to-day basis, you know, I, I have—I don't have a whole lot of reason to believe it's not—it's going to be stopped. Um, not to say God's not on the throne, but there's just too much apathy that I'm seeing, too much lukewarmness, and this is going to. Um, this is, this is on the slate, and I believe it's going to happen. So, getting back to the article on page 45, it says, To Chris Stahl, the city manager of the mid-sized town in Columbus, Texas, the whole concept at first sounded like science fiction. Now, this is the whole concept of the Trans-Texas Corridor. This is the whole concept of probably a lot of people hearing this for the first time. If you're hearing it right now on the internet for the first time. Many of you may be saying, what is he talking about? He's got to be crazy. I'm telling you, this is real. <laughs> this is real, real. He said, it sounded like science fiction. Like the aliens must have landed. Quote, it would roll right over our town without leaving an exit or, or an exit or an on-ramp. Says Stahl, leaving us isolated not only from business, but from existing roads to our own markets. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, this thing. It's going to probably destroy whole towns, and not just as well as certain residences and things like that. Now, what Governor Perry and the Texas Department of Transportation presented to them seemed almost unbelievable. In its 10 to 12 lanes of highway with high-speed passenger, freight rail lines attached, along with pipelines for fuel, water, fiber optics, electric power, concessions of fuel, food, lodging, shops, and emergency service would be self-contained in the median strip. And all of it would cut non-stop, non-stop through the state in a swath the width of four football fields wide. This is huge. This is bigger than any road this world's ever seen. Ever. Okay? They're going to have everything self-contained in the median strip. They even said lodging. There's going to be like hotels in there. You're not going to, for most of it, I don't believe you're going to be able to get off and exit. You're going to have to do, deal with what's in there. You talk about control. There's going to be barbed wire fences on both sides running the whole way down. Like, uh, Then he goes on to say, like Sherman through Georgia. Now, this is General Sherman he's referring through, who was the wicked northern general that came through and was killing man, woman, child, everything he could kill, destroying everything he could kill in the uh, Civil War. So like General Sherman through Georgia, it would consume at least 146 acres for every mile it made to the Oklahoma border. Now remember, it goes a lot further than Oklahoma, but they're just talking about Texas here. (laughs) Ultimately covering more than 4,000 miles of Texas in the largest network of toll roads ever known. Toll roads. It's the wave of the future. What are toll roads about? Money. Foreign companies come and they buy these toll roads and you got to go on there and you got to pay. You know what it's also about that I really saw? Because I was over in Miami uh, not too long ago and I could not believe the elaborate maze of toll roads everywhere you went. Every couple miles you're having to pay another stinking toll or, or three or four miles depending on the, on the one. What does that do? What do toll roads do? They control you. You're like a stinking caged rat. 
on those things. You can't get off. You can't turn around. If you get off, you, you're going to have to go through the toll. <coughs> I despise them. And that's what the future of America looks like. Toll roads. I'm just telling you right out. They're in the bigger cities right now as it is anyway. But, um, yeah. My, my little girl asked me about the people that go through the toll roads that they just drive through and they don't have to pay money. Well, what you have there is some type of transponder on your car that's sending a signal to a little device there that recognizes that you've either, uh, you've got one of those um, sun, they, they call them sun passes sometimes, they, they call them different things, but they let you go through it without having to um, really stop or slow down. But what is that? That's tracking. Even though you'd say, well, yeah, see, I've got freedom. I can just drive through the toll route. I don't even have to stop. Number one, you're having to make sure you're paying at the start of the month. And number two, they track you. They know exactly when you went through and when you... I don't like that. All these cars now that have OnStar, all you got to do is hit a button, and there, there it is. They're talking to you from a remote location. They know exactly where your car is at. They can pinpoint it through their uh, GPS... How do they do that? Because they have satellites up there that triangulate your position in that car and they can tell you exactly where you are. They can open your car doors from the inside. You tell me that's not control? That's not Big Brother? I don't want any of that stuff on my car. Uh-uh. Oh, has it done some good? Yeah, and I'm sure that's all you're going to hear about. It's the good it's done. Oh, we were saved from this situation because we had this OnStar. What? I'm sorry, I don't want it. I don't, I don't want anybody knowing that much. You realize they can turn that thing on and listen to whatever you're saying in your car. But then again, they can do that with your cell phone too. They can do that with your home phone. They can turn your home phone on when it's on the hook and listen to whatever you're talking about in the room. They may be getting a good, hopefully a good sermon right now. Of course, it's not really a sermon really today, but we're talking about these things. But, but again, you know, it's almost like there's so much. There's so much proof about these various issues up on, really, the internet. I, I, I praise God for that aspect of the internet. 9/11 alone. Yeah, they've made some feeble attempts to try to refute some of this stuff. It's it's really been feeble. But I believe these people, these monsters, have gotten so flagrant and so far advanced in their agenda. They really don't care anymore. What information we're putting out there because I don't see the people putting the information out there taking bullets in their head and disappearing now I think that day will come if the Lord permits it to happen but I don't see it happening right now I think they're just so flagrant don't matter to them so going back to the article um, just to reiterate that last sentence ultimately it will be covering this Texas uh, corridor road will be covering more than 4,000 miles of Texas and the largest network of toll roads ever known. That, it soon becomes clear, was what Pe- was what Governor Perry meant when he said it would be a new way of building roads in his state. Not the size of it or the materials involved, but the fact that it would be a super toll highway with most of the profits for at least half a century going to Sintra. Governor Perry and his friends spend a great deal of time researching ideas to create more revenue. <laughs> the, the, and who said that? Texas Department of Transportation, a man named Williamson. He said, the corridor is primarily, primarily a revenue producer. End of quote. 
The love of money is the root of all evil. These people will sell their souls for a dollar and they'll sell yours if they could. We got a lot of wicked politicians coming out of, of uh, Texas lately. You know, we got the Bushes. We got this guy. You know, I'll tell you what. We got some real lowlifes crawling out of there right now. I'm not, it's not a knock against people who live in Texas. I'm just saying. I got wicked people in the state too. You know, wicked politicians are everywhere. It's just that these guys, it seems like in Texas they're just the most flagrant. <laughs> At least lately. So going back to the article on page 47, it says, um, Finally, the former small town administrator and his wife formed an organization called Corridor Watch. Working through the internet and public meetings. Now, this is something you could probably go up on the internet. Just hit Corridor Watch. Do it in quotes. And you'll find them. If, 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 I'm probably going to retool this newsletter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to combine it with the audio teaching and a lot of the links that you can click on. This article that I'm reading from, I'm actually going to include as an attachment in the email as well. Now it's going to come in attachment form in a PDF file. So you'll be able to actually have this article straight from the magazine. You can read it yourself. And uh, see, it's real, got real big, nice uh, color pictures uh, of, of different things in, in, in this article. What's that? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, this is, they, they have an organization called Corridor Watch. Working through the internet, public means to confront what even the state legislature and most Texas media seem not to notice. It, you know, they, 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 everybody's downplaying this, and yet it's going, going along and going along at breakneck speed. I think they believe we're just so stupid and apathetic. They're just going to, they've gotten to the point where the politicians, all they do is lie. I mean, that's, there's that joke. How do you know a politician's lying? Well, if his lips are moving, you know, that, that, that's, Anymore, that's all you get. Is that. That's it. It's all you can find. They just lie. They lie right to your face, smiling as they do it. And that, you know, these, these men are demon-possessed. They're demon-possessed. You don't get to that level in government, number one, unless the powers that be, whatever you want to call them, the globalist elite, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them, the, the 13 families that run the world, Starting with the Rothschilds. You don't get to that level unless you get the nod from them. Because they're the ones that put you in there. Did God permit it to happen? Yes, He did. But God also said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that He would send strong delusion that all those who loved not the truth would believe a lie that they might all be damned. I'm sorry, He said it, not me. Does that mean I think I'm better because I... No, I'm just saying. That's what he said in his word. And the Bible also says in Hosea 4.6 that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee and thy children, and thou shalt be a priest to me no more. So there's a very stern warning in the Bible about rejecting knowledge. And if you know this knowledge, and you don't do anything with it, well, the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. We, so we want to get this knowledge out in as much as God opens those doors. I mean, you, you can't educate everybody. But it, if God opens a door, you know, forward them this email. I don't have anything to gain by it. I don't have a ministry where I'm asking for money or anything like that. It's not like I'm gaining anything. I just want the truth to get out. That's what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get the truth. I'm trying to, my calling, if anything, would be a watchman. 
I'm not an apostle or a prophet. Sorry, sorry to disappoint anybody here. I'm not Apostle Scott or Prophet Scott. Sorry. Or Potentate or Monsignor or Cardinal. I always kind of want to be a Cardinal. Maybe, you know, dress up in a Cardinal uniform. You know, a baseball uniform. or I don't know. I don't know. It gets kind of crazy in here at times. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, Doug, Doug just went prostate on the floor, you know, for me to show reverence, you know. <laughs> but you know, we're only supposed to show reverence <laughs> to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God the Father. You know, it, we're not supposed to pay um, this type of homage to man, because man will fail you. Man will fail you. And so, going further with this article, quote, if you don't know what the Texas... Trans-Texas Corridor is, then you better educate yourself, writes the Fayette County Record. The Fayette County Record, this is a this is their, I don't know if it's their newspaper. Editor, Cindy Wright. Quote, people on the south end of San Antonio were furious, said Annalise Kernett. But people on the north side still said they had never even heard of it. This is the Trans-Texas Corridor. Even people in Texas hadn't heard of it. Most of these people that haven't heard of it are so consumed with their own little lives and what whatever they're reading in the paper, they're believing is gospel truth, or whatever they're seeing on the nightly news. I think the biggest abomination of all things is nightly news. The one that, that like the, uh, the the national nightly news, not even local, the national. I can't even stand watching national nightly news. I get so angry. And the Bible says, be angry and sin not. There is such a thing as righteous indignation, and we're about to see it from God. We're, we're just right on the cusp right now in America of seeing God's righteous indignation for all the abominations we've we've committed in this land. Now, I'm not saying the true remnants went around committing them or whatever like that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that there's been a ton of abominations that have been committed in this land, the worst of which being all the aborted babies. I don't want to even compare anything to that. The 40 plus million aborted babies since Roe versus Wade. Now there's been about a billion aborted babies worldwide since the early 20s from, from the statistics I could gather from the Gutenberg Institute which tracks these things. Uh, which is ungodly but they do track them. So a billion babies aborted worldwide. That's a lot of innocent blood crying out from the land. And if Abel's blood cried out from the land, don't you think their innocent blood? Abel was a grown man. These are innocent babies that never saw the light of day. What kind of judgment? Just from that one thing alone could be waiting for this world. I, I, it's hard for me to complain about if God were to rain down fire and brimstone on and, and me even... <laughs> You know, not to say he wouldn't remove the true remnant out of this place before that happened, but I'm saying, even if he didn't, it's hard for me to even say, well, God, you know, you're not just... What am I going to say? He's not justified? He, He's merciful. He's very incredibly merciful that he hasn't done it already. What we've gotten away with in this country, we're not going to get away with it ultimately, but what's happened? We're storing up wrath for the day of indignation. That's what we're doing. And, and again, when I say we, I mean the, the, the country as a whole is, is really um, doing this. Hopefully we, as born-again Christians, are 
doing what we can to fight this and expose it. So, it's a fair, going back to the article, it's a fair description of the spotty prairie fires flaming up in grassroots opposition to Perry's plans while the state legislature remains confused and disorganized on the issue. In part because to many it still seems unbelievable. But the thing is, is that part of that, most of that, where the state legislature appears confused, or you have all these other government factions denying it even exists, is all by design. God is not the author of confusion, but Satan is. So what Satan's done with this is he's muddied the waters as much as possible, and confused the issue, so that nobody really thinks it's going to ever happen. Nobody thinks really judgment's on the way either. I guarantee it's on the way. The Texas Department of Transportation geared up in response with a major public relations campaign claiming to distinguish myth from reality, but refusing until a freedom of information demand is filed to reveal details about the arrangement with Sintra. Going to the next page, this is a... Um, the end of this, this one particular article. Time Magazine reports that in 1997, Governor Perry received more than a million dollars in campaign funds from highway interests. Imagine that. I would never suspect that that would have happened, ever. Never. The governor claims that the project will produce 146,000 jobs in Texas. Oh, great. Well, yeah, let's make some jobs. Probably give them to the illegal aliens so they can, you know... Uh, his opponents suggest that would not offset the losses to agriculture and even rural businesses under the deal, which would be prohibited from establishing alternate routes or competing with the corridor concessions. See, everything's going to be controlled in that corridor through Sintra and through that. They're going to make every single dime of the money. There's going to be no positive economic impact for this country whatsoever, other than some slave labor they've got in there for jobs. Talk about working for Big Brother. Yet the highway, a portion of it, a portion of which is already nearing completion in north of Austin. You hear what I just said? A portion of this is already nearing completion in Austin. It's not something that's pie in the sky, big dream here. It's actually being built as we speak. This highway is not even intended to meet traffic needs in Houston, Dallas, or San Antonio. It is meant, as Williams described it, as a revenue producer. That was a quote. It's not, it's, this isn't going to benefit any of the cities that gets near whatever as far as decongesting traffic. It's not even going to do that. It's not. It's, it's purely meant as a self-centered revenue producer. That is it. It is it. And it's also bet as one big gigantic tool to erase the border between Mexico, Canada, and America. That's another thing it's meant for. We're going to look at all those other aspects of this shortly. Another article that Tim Finley wrote, entitled, Kansas City, Here They Come. Now, you have to kind of follow this a little bit. I don't want to read this whole thing, but I'm going to try to hit the high points here again. It starts out by saying, Vincente Fox, now this is the president of Mexico, Vincente Fox was furious. He said, quote, it's shameful. He erupted the press last October on news that President George W. Bush had signed legislation to build a fence along the U.S. border with Mexico. Isn't that shameful, Doug? Lisa, what do you think? Shameful. 
How dare we? How dare we try to keep us illegal aliens out? They need to be able to just pour over the border, dilute your, your economy. We want that. We're getting all the criminals out of our country anyway. It's a good thing for Mexico. They all come north. They go to America. They can go up there and kill everybody. You know, commit all kind of crimes. Well, how do you prove that? All you got to do is look at the prison system. They're flooded with these with these illegal aliens. Flooded with them. That's a whole other debate. It's not it, it, to me. It's not even a debate. It's not a debate. Not a point of. It, there, there's so many facts proving that that is the case. That they have been nothing but a detriment to this country. And when you do something that's evil, like allow illegal aliens who are illegal into America. And allow them to leech off the American government, and really Americans, then how can you expect a good result? How can evil beget good? It can't. How can a fountain yield both fresh and salt water? But see, now there are, there are Americans out there that are for it because they're, they're employing these illegal aliens and they're making a lot of money that way because they got their free slave, they got their slave labor. They're not looking at the big picture. They're just looking at the dollar. So they're no better as far as I'm concerned. The 43rd president of the United States looked uncomfortable as he signed the legislation in a well-covered photo opportunity. Now, this legislation was to put this fence up, supposedly. Okay? This wasn't what the president wanted. <laughs> of course not. He doesn't, want it. he doesn't want that fence up. But he needed something to deflect a predicted loss of his own party's majority in the approaching election. In other words, he needed something to kind of improve his popularity a little bit because he's been so down in the dumps popularity-wise because he's such a bonehead that, you know, he needed something to, to kind of help him, you know, with his, with his public image. Signing on the fence was a cynical an ultimately useless bow to poll pressure. That's all it was. But Bush crossed his fingers and moved the pen. Notice it said he crossed his fingers. Why does it say that? Well, I'll tell you why. It says, quietly by closed channels, he advised his counterparts in Mexico City and Ottawa, well, these are his president buddies, um, Canadian Prime Minister Paul Martin and Vicente Fox, or his or his people they're referring to here, his counterparts in Mexico City and Ottawa, that the American people have short memories. You see what George Bush just said to, to Vicente Fox, and uh, to, he, says, he says to them in private, hey listen, the Americans, they got short memories. They got short memories. They're idiots, basically. They have short memories for such things. By Thanksgiving, he had already eliminated funding for the actual fence and slipped the issue off the table. He slipped the issue off the table where it was unlikely to be found again among the opposition of Democrats. Still, he could not yet come clean on Waco and the promise it implied to make both U.S. borders little more than speed bumps in a visionary North American Union linking all three countries with a gigantic super corridor of high-speed travel and trade from Yucatan to the Yukon. This is what our president did. Now, when it says he could not come clean on Waco, 
what, the, what that's in reference to, I'm looking at a picture right here of um, Security Prosperity Partners of North America. This is also known as SPP. Canadian Prime Minister Martin, Mexico President Vincente Fox, shake hands as a U.S. President George Bush looks on following their meetings and a news at a joint news conference at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. This was March 23, 2005. Relations have been strained between the U.S. and its closest neighbors and the two biggest trading partners with trade, security, and immigration issues as points of contention. So this Waco meeting, as it was, as it was called, was just a three-way handshake on the Security Prosperity Partnership of North America. One match for three big cigars that might alter the history and culture of the Western Hemisphere. And most of the people in all three countries don't know a thing about it. They don't know anything about it. They're clueless. It says one match for three big cigars. What does that mean? That means that this meeting was the be really one of the, the beginnings of this thing. When you light a cigar with one match, you're starting it. Okay, that's what they meant by that, that phrase. So, going further. Mexico's advantages from this, uh, from the um, Trans-Texas Corridor seem obvious. In the long-awaited surge of Mexican trucks past U.S. Teamster objections into the all-consuming gut of the United States, and with fuel pipelines that could still carry more Mexican oil to its largest customers. Well now, right now, in America, I'm going to read you this. This, this is why I'm, I'm doing this teaching, because there's a lot of very appropriate uh, or very pertinent things that are going on right now in regard to this measure. This is a public, a serv this is a public service announcement from www.saveamericafund.com saveamericafund.com This is something that um, Ron Paul is up on the website. Uh, Tom Tank Corrido is also up there uh, endorsing this. This is called the Truck Out. And the following is a word of concern and encouragement to our fellow patriots, American truckers, who literally carry the load of the, of the United States of America day in, day out, rain and shine. This is to the American people. You have been shamelessly betrayed and stabbed in the back! Exclamation point. President George W. Bush, who is no friend of labor, has decided without a single American vote being cast that tens of thousands of Mexican trucks and truckers should be allowed into our country in order to compete against you. This is to the truckers of America. In less than three weeks, this is less than three weeks, this part, in less than three weeks, they will cross into the country with our president's blessing. They will not be subject to the same safety standards, laws required in our trucking industry, weight and load restrictions, maintenance of their trucks and equipment, nor insurance minimums. Many will come without driver's licenses, and criminal background checks will not be required of them. Well, they've done no less for the illegal aliens. Why should they do it for these guys? Uh, getting back to this, it says... Many will have criminal records and DUI convictions, and most do not speak, read, or even write English. Here's what's coming, guys. And within three weeks, it's going to happen. Does, does this sound to you like fair and reasonable competition? Do you believe that when the President of the United States tilts the playing field in your foreign competitor's favor, he's looking out for you? 
and, and just to stop here, there's so many Christians that are still on the President Bush bandwagon. Oh, he's a man of God. This, he's a man of the devil. The Bible says to mark them which cause division and offense is contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. It's Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. Well, he calls himself a Christian. I'm supposed to mark him. says I'm supposed to. And so many people, I believe, because of their own pride, because of their own fear of maybe being ridiculed or whatever in whatever circle they travel in whatever lukewarm circle they travel in so many people are so afraid of speaking out against Bush or whatever because of fear of man and the Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare and because of pride and apathy pride being that you know they they committed to Bush they voted for him well I can't recant now I've, I've voted for. I've said all these good things to all these people. I've got to stay on this wagon. I've already committed to this. No, you don't. You don't have to stay on anything. You need to admit that you were wrong, and 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 start fighting evil instead of promoting it. You're helping evil. If you're for this man or this wicked, corrupt government that we have in place right now, you're fighting for evil. You're not fighting against it. You're fighting for it. It's that bad. And the Bible predicted it would be so. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy 3.13 So, I'm just, you know, I'm here to tell you, you're, you're, you're either on the Lord's side or you're against Him. And as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, you could say, well, this doesn't relate to the Lord. This is politics. Oh, it sure, surely does. It's right or wrong. I think as a Christian, you always need to be on the side of righteousness. Not on the side of evil. How can you be on the side of evil and be pleasing God? Well, I was just deceived. I was willingly ignorant. Well, then you're still going to be punished. But you'll be punished with fewer stripes than those that were aware. But see, now if you're listening to this, you're already made aware. So now you'll be punished with more stripes. Well, where's it say that? It's a, well, that was a parable that Jesus gave about 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 the 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 um, one of his um, his servants when he left and he came back and he said that one, the wicked servant had beat his had been beating and drinking and, and not doing anything. Well, if God gives you a talent, are you supposed to go out and bury the talent? Well, look what happened to that person that buried the talent. He was thrown into prison. But the person that went out and doubled his talents, those people were rewarded. Well, you're responsible for doing something with what God's given you. And Lord knows, most of the people in this country are totally deceived. Totally deceived. Now, does that mean that you're going to be popular and people love you for putting this out? Let me tell you something. No, it doesn't. But you know something? As a Christian, your life is not supposed to be a popularity contest. When Jesus Christ died and went to the cross, basically everybody had abandoned him, just about. When the apostles died and they were martyred, I doubt they had a lot of people cheering them on as they were getting martyred. That's, that's the very point we might be brought to. Well, why would you say that? Well, because is a servant greater than his master? 
Jesus said these things that you're going to suffer to the apostles. I'm not saying every one of us are going to have to suffer those things. I'm saying you better be prepared and set in your mind that if that's what you have to do, God can give you the grace to get through it. Because if there's something you won't do for the Lord in regard to your life, that may be the very thing He requires of you because He knows you're not going to do it. He's, he's going to test you. They said anything, He says anything that can be shaken will be shaken. The Bible says judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. So these are things that we're going to probably be tested on. Me, I'm not. I'm including myself in this. I'm not. I'm not trying to hold anybody else to higher accountability than I would hold myself. I'm preaching to myself as much as I am anybody else. So I'm just saying things we need to think about to be prepared for. Uh, you know, ask the Lord to strengthen us, give us the grace to 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 get through whatever may lie ahead. But I also think that you can pray. Um, the Bible says, "Pray that you be counted worthy to escape all the things that are coming in the world." Where does it say that? I don't exactly know the exact verse. I know it's in the Gospels. Look it up. Do a keyword search on Blue Letter Bible. Just put in accounted worthy and you'll find it. These are things that, you know, um, we can pray for which are biblical. Also says pray to be counted worthy of the first resurrection. Now again, I think we get into a whole rapture debate there thing, and, and I don't 100% know exactly what that means either. But it's in the New Testament. So, anyway, that's a whole other theological study that we'll do in the future. But, these are things that, that, that really bring home the seriousness of the hour, I guess, that we're in. Going back to this, this, this public service announcement from Save America Fund... Uh, do you believe that when president, when the President of the United States tilts the playing field in your foreign competitor's favor, he's looking out for you? Do you think he cares whether you and your business thrives or perishes? No, they don't. You know, one of the main things that the New World Order wants to do is destroy the middle class of America. Oh, how could you say that? Look around. Why would they be letting all these illegal aliens on our soil? If they weren't trying to dilute, dilute and dumb down and corrupt the population. I'm not saying Americans are stellar and wonderful. We really deserve it. We really do. For as apathetic as, as this nation's become. But I'm telling you right now, they're doing all kind of things systematically, slowly, to dilute things. They're setting us up for a fall. There's going to be a gigantic economic collapse coming. It may coincide with something like a suitcase nuke set off on our home soil. Like that, that show, that 24 show that we had talked about a couple weeks prior. It may come in conjunction with something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if it did, because I think it would have more effect if we had collapse of the dollar and um, a suitcase nuke getting set on maybe a mock terrorist event, something like that, going off on American soil. And what would end up happening is, is they would impose martial law, take away our rights, and then they would really start to steamroll a lot of these other legislations that have kind of been in the wings, kind of waiting to go through. Another thing that would happen, they would devalue our currency. It would devalue our currency literally overnight. The, the, the draw, the, there's nothing propping up the dollar hardly anymore. 
There's a lot of false things propping up the dollar. But the, but the dollar, if the truth be known, is not really even worth the paper it's printed on. There's no gold or silver backing behind the dollar. It hasn't been, uh, really I believe since 1968, when they took us off the last vestige of the silver standard. There's nothing backing our money. So, when that were to happen, this is when they're going to impl- implement, most likely, this Amero. This Canadian, Mexican, American um, uh, currency. They're going to say this is going to be our only hope. A lot of this is being timed, okay, is what I'm telling you now. So, see, now's the time you want to prepare. Because the Bible says, the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. If you wait till this stuff happens, you're not going to be able to do anything with what... I mean, if you're saddled with a whole lot of debt, it's not going to go anywhere. It's just going to become probably a noose around your neck at that point. Uh, of course, they're probably going to have a they're probably going to have a way out. Just basically sell your soul to us, and, and we'll we'll. So I'm saying you don't want to be in that position when it gets bad, and it's going to get bad. When it happens, I don't know. What I'm hoping to do is create enough public awareness and and enough prayer to go up so that a lot of these disasters could be averted. Now, it's only going to be temporary. It's going to happen. The Bible said it was going to happen, these types of events. Wars and rumors of wars and pestilences and things of this nature. It's going to happen. But my concern is is, is the remnant that they're prepared. That's my concern really right now. And that they would be used mightily to win others to the Lord. And that the Lord's name would be glorified through that remnant. That's really what my biggest concern would be. And I want us to be in the best position possible to be able to do that exact thing. Because the Bible did predict it was going to happen. There's more people in the world right now than there's ever been in the history of mankind. That means there's more potential for souls to get saved. That's another thing to think about. So... Uh, going back to the article, this this service announcement, it says, In light of the President's affection for Mexico and the Mexican truckers, the crucial question is, quote, What can we do to advance the legitimate, the legitimate interests of American truckers? There is a compelling response. Participate in the truckers' truck-out rally on April 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Now, it's just starting tomorrow, this truck-out. Join in one or all three days to rivet every citizen's attention on the injustice being done to you and your country by the criminal, reckless, and unprecedented actions of our government. Your slow rolling truck out will coincide with the quote, hold their feet to the fire rally that has been scheduled for the same time in Washington, D.C. That rally will, among other things, call national attention to the plight of American truckers while you take action to accentuate the same theme. The response we are getting from truckers and condemned citizens across America who want to participate in helping the boycott has been extremely encouraging. America is uniting finally against the illegal alien nightmare America is experiencing. It is long overdue for us as the rank and file American citizens to stand up to cowardly, self-interested, corrupt politicians and show our strength. It is time for us to rise and be counted in the struggle to save our country from those who are giving it away with both hands and refusing to safeguard our borders against poverty, pestilism, and terrorism. So, their, um, again, their website is www.saveamericafund.org. 
And I'll probably try to include something this on the email as well. Uh, their emails freedom at saveamericafund.org. That's their email address. So what they're going to do is they're going to circle the capital and they're, they're encouraging the truckers to get around every capital that there is in America and they're going to drive the minimum speed limit. The minimum. They're not going to break any laws. They're going to drive the minimum speed limit and they're going to go across all the lanes. And, and what they're going to try to do is generate as much news coverage as they possibly can. They're not doing anything illegal. It's just that what they're doing is they're trying to create public awareness. Because, see, the media outlets are silent. Because they're all controlled, too. They're all corrupt and controlled. Every, every one of them, basically. That's mainstream. So, 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 so you know, that's what's going on here. Now, going back to this article... It says Canadian advantages in regard to the Trans-Texas Corridor were well explored by former Prime Minister Martin, who owned the largest West Coast shipping line in Canada. Well, there's no conflict of interest there. He was just president, and he owned the largest West Coast shipping line in Canada, and has dealt closely with Chinese and Asian markets. Canada, especially in its western regions, is still rich in natural resources, including water that could be shifted south, in another pipeline to dry regions and timber that could be moved all the way to Asia. Fiber optic communication lines and eventual bullet trains carrying passengers and freight would be added to the 12 to 10 to 12 lanes racing across the mid-continent. In theory at least, the United States would come out best with an assured flow of consumer goods regardless of corporate abandonment of high-priced U.S. labor. Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, when we have these these trucks rolling into our country, scot-free, um, there's already been an abandonment of U.S. labor by the corporate structure in America. But there's really going to be one then. Because they're going to be able to get their slave labor and they're going to be able to roll across the board. It's all going to be legal. See, the only ones that are going to really benefit from this are, are the corporate elite. They would pay in a new denomination replacing the dollar, which Pastor and others have suggested be called the Amero, linking all the people of North America to a common currency, and maybe all working people on the continent to a common drudgery. Well, they would never do that. Well, they've already done it in Europe. It's called the Euro. So, one... In fact, there's way more many countries over there that are using the Euro as their currency than just... The three are, that are proposed about here, I mean, the more countries you have, the more complicated it would be, I would imagine, to really have. But there's only three countries we're talking about here. Not, you know, I don't know how many are, are, are under the Euro system over there, but it's a lot more than three. It says it must be a science fiction or right-wing paranoia. No logical thinking North American could believe it. Two members of Congress who have raised alarm about the secret of NAU, Republicans Tom Tancaredo of Colorado and Ron Paul, Texas, have been both labeled by national media as extremists. Tancaredo even withdrew his statement after criticism. Well, he is one of the guys up on this Save America truck out thing, so maybe he's went back to the right side here. I'm always suspect any politician at that high of a level, I'm still suspect, okay? Uh, but he is endorsing it at this point. 
But the NAU, North American Union, and NAFTA plus Super Corridor are not imaginary black helicopters. They are part of a disturbing scheme by intellectual elites with the corporate partners acting as if they were a royal court of kings and consorts beyond the reach of common masses. As I said, they're so flagrant about this that they're, they're not even, I mean, they're just, it's like, we are the chattel, we are the sheep, and they are the kings, and we need to do what we're told. And we don't really have any right to question them, because they're superior to us. That's how they feel. That's how they're brought up, to believe this. Most of these people are generational Luciferians. At that high of a level, they did not get there by accident. There's bloodlines that are connected, that go back hundreds of years with these families. And if you don't believe that, read Bloodlines of the Illuminati by Fritz Springmeier. You can get it on Tex Myers' website, Tex Mars' website, or, or go up on the internet and you can find... Actually, you can find the whole book um, downloaded if you do um, a keyword search for Bloodlines of the Illuminati... Springmeyer. In fact, I had a patient, uh, a person email me about that the other day. I sent him the whole page where they could download any one of his books and read them all for free. He's in prison right now. He, he That's what they did to him for, for him putting this information out. I've corresponded with him in prison several times. And um, he, uh, he's got the definitive guide on, on proving the bloodline connection. Uh, with they're big in bloodlines. People that are involved in high-level occult and the elite are real, real big into bloodlines. It matters a lot to them. That's why you've got the bloodline of the Holy Grail and all these other things that they've got out because they're obsessed with it. Absolutely obsessed. So, getting back to this, for all claims made about the democratic ideals of the North American continent, the creation of a new international partnership here has purposely been done beyond public scrutiny. NAFTA itself was created in 1994 with first ever fast-tracked authority granted by Congress to President William Clinton after only eight hours of debate and with no public approval. Let's talk about being above the law. It started back with Clinton. So that was those those articles. Now, moving on with this, Tex Mars just released two articles which confirm what we're just talking about right now. One of them is called... Uh, and now, just because I'm reading a Tex Mars article doesn't mean I believe theologically everything that he believes. I think he's gotten a little bit out of control with the whole Jews of the seat of Satan thing that, that he's gone after. Um... I think Satan is the one <laughs> that's at the top of the scheme, and he's the one that's manipulating whoever he will. And yes, I do think the Zionist Jews are a big part of it, okay? And I, yes, I do believe they are part of the synagogue of Satan, but the Bible says blindness in part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in, and that they are still beloved for, for God's sake. And that's again, that's a whole other study that we can get into, but... Um, I don't want to go off on any too far extreme there in regard to dealing with the Jews. This article is entitled The CFR Plot for the New Americurrency, the Death of the Dollar, and the Impoverishment of the American People. It's called Money, Alchemy, and Betrayal. Uh, he gives a quote here by Congressman Charles A. Lindbergh Sr. 
quote, from now on, depressions will be scientifically created. See, they, they create these events, whether it's a world war, whether it's a depression, they create them for maximal benefit to the elite. And so that they can take away the maximum amount of rights that we have. And then once we're used to those rights being taken away, then when they, when they take the next level away, we're already used to the one. It's called incrementalism. They're doing it incrementally. In 1990, when I published my book, Millennium, Peace Promises in the Day That They Take Away Our Money, and this is Tex Mars writing, they created a sensation in the book I exposed the Illuminati's elite plan to destroy the American dollar and eventually replace the dollar in all national currencies with a new global currency called the Phoenix. Now this is something a lot of people haven't heard about. Of the Illuminati, I warn, these are men, despisers of America, who plot to take away our money and replace it with empty promises and deceitful lies. The death of the dollar, I noted in Millennium, this book, will signal a dramatic revolution in the everyday lives of American citizens. With financial misery, bankruptcy, and economic desperation stalking working men and women like some pale and apocalyptic death horse, I also named the Council of Foreign Relations as the kingpin of the conspiracy against the dollar. Those who have read Millennium are not surprised, therefore, about the new revelations that the Council of Foreign Relations and its puppets in the Bush administration have now on the drawing board a brand new currency, the Amero. The Amero is to replace the dollar upon the inauguration of the North American Union and the ending of the United States sovereignty in 2010. This is, this is supposed to take place in 2010. It's just like the national ID card is supposed to be implemented next year, May of 2008. We've got, right now we've got, we're just right on the cusp of a little over a year before the national ID card. That's bad enough. Well, if we're used to a national ID card, which is basically, you know, we're going into Nazi Germany now, breakneck speed, you know, we're, we're going to, this North American Union thing will be no big shake by 2010. A couple years later, we'll have our, mind, our mindsets conditioned to that. Eventually, of course, when the New World Order is fully realized, the Phoenix will be required worldwide and all of the currencies, national and regional, will be recalled. Until the bitter day of infamy, Europe will have its Euro, and the Americas will be saddled with the regional Amero. Now I'm looking here at a cover of this book, The Economist, and text says, as I reported in my eye-opening bestseller book, Millennium Peace Promises in the Day of... <laughs> he says best-selling. <laughs> Peace Promises in the Day They Take Away Our Money take our money away, the Illuminati elite eventually will replace the Amero-Euro and the regional currencies with the Phoenix. Indeed, the influential The Economist financial magazine out of Great Britain had the audacity to picture their logo of the Phoenix of the proposed new global currency on its cover with the feature article entitled Get Ready for a World Currency. And it's right here. I mean, he's got a picture of this thing. And it's got a picture of this big Phoenix with with like a big medallion on its chest, I think symbolizing some type of currency. Now, Phoenix, and he's rising out of the ashes, but what he's, the ashes are are dollar bills. So see, the dollar bill and all these currencies are going to die. It's going to be replaced by the Phoenix eventually. Now, we know the Amero's already on the slate. We know the Euro's already been implemented. But how are we going to have a one world currency, one world government, 
one world political system, one world religious system. It's all going to have to be one. They're going to have to have a one world currency. So this is just a stepping stone. The Amero is just the start of the one world currency. So yeah, getting uh, looking at this, and we, we see this picture of the phoenix, and the phoenix is one of the highest symbols in the occult. And it's, it's, it's symbolic of reincarnation, it's symbolic of the Antichrist, um, it's, it's symbolic of, um, you know, something that dies, and then, it, and then what happens is, is supposedly the phoenix died, and then out of its own ashes, it, it basically reincarnates itself. And um, it's an abomination in the sight of God. It was actually the first symbol proposed for the back of the dollar bill, and they changed it and put the eagle on there. But it would have been much more occultic, I think, if they would have stuck with the original plan, but I think it would have been maybe too occultic for them. I mean, it's already so occultic; it's not even funny. I mean, you got the all-knowing eye of Lucifer on top of the un, on top of the truncated pyramid with 13 levels and Novus Order Secorum, which is announcing the birth of the New World Order. I mean, you got all these things in the dollar bill that's so occultic and, and evil. So I think they they thought, well, the Phoenix just might be pushing it a little bit. We're pushing the envelope a little too much there. Going back to the article, it says that. Uh, Eventually, of course, when the New World Order is fully realized, the phoenix will be required worldwide and all other currencies, national region, will be recalled. Until that bitter day of infamy, Europe will have its euro, and the Americans will be saddled with the regional Amero. Why the emphasis by the Illuminati, why the emphasis by the Illuminati on money and currency? Well, the love of money, the scriptures attest, is the root of all evil. After over 20 years of studying the men behind the global conspiracy and their aims, I have found this biblical principle most valid. True, the evil elitists also desire power, fame, sex, and other commodities, but above all, they lust after money. Indeed, they are persuaded that with enough money, they can buy all things. That the Illuminati will scheme and murder, even commit genocide to acquire more and more money is also a truism. Again, this is prophesied and explained in the scriptures, where James, the brother of Jesus, warned that in the last days, the rich would gather for themselves heaps of gold and silver and other treasures. Greedy and homicidal, they will not hesitate to defraud working men and women. These ordinary citizens um, who protest will be killed. To fulfill their inordinate lust for filthy lucre, the rich have developed a banking and credit system that maximizes their return. A chief feature of this system is the employment of paper money. Of course, this is not real money. It's a pale substitute. Thomas Jefferson once wrote, scornfully, uh, in a letter in 1788, paper, said Jefferson, is poverty. It is only ghost money and not money itself. And it really is. I mean, if all we had was paper, that has no intrinsic value other than paper. Whereas gold and silver are actually real money. They actually have intrinsic value. As a young child, I recently readily discovered the wisdom of Jefferson's admonishments. But I'd be a little leery about going on quoting Jefferson, considering he was just, you know, one more cog in this wheel. <laughs> he was one more, basically, a cultist, these types of things. Um... Growing up in East Texas, a regional 
a region passionately attached to the Confederacy during the war between the states, a surprising number of sovereign citizens kept their old worthless Confederate currency, somehow figuring that someday the South will rise again. The old Confederate dollar remains a mere museum novelty. The day General Robert E. Lee surrendered to Grant, the South's currency instantly became worthless by Union fiat. Lesson learned. Money is whatsoever value the government says it is. In that, it's that and nothing more. What's well, really what the world financial markets say it is. Not even the government. Because the government can call it a, that it's worth something. They can, but if it's, if it's, you know, if all of a sudden the dollar started trading like, um, you know, if the dollar devalued dramatically against the other currencies of the world, well then it's not worth anything. Or it's worth very little. For some time now, going back to the article, for some time now I've carefully investigated the design of currency especially the U.S. dollars of all denominations. I find that in every nation and society the design of currency is of vast importance. It often has a magical, almost a magical connotation. Money reflects the spiritual understructure and the social aims of a nation's ruling class and can even reflect the prophetic goals of the leaders, rulers, perhaps serving as a predictor of future events. What's a good point. We just talked about the dollar. I'm looking right now at a... Uh, a peso, uh, a paper peso, and reading from this caption, the design and the art on its currency notes are often very revealing about a nature's culture, the aims and the beliefs of the ruling elite. Above is an American peso. Observe the grotesque image of the Aztec sun god. Now, again, I can, in this email that I'll be sending out, with the audio teaching of this, I will include a link to this article from TexMars so you can read this. Observe the grotesque image of the Aztec sun god emblazoned on the peso. And, it, and there it is. There's the Aztec sun god right in the middle here. And recall that this was the pagan sun god to whom the cannibalistic native Mexicans annually sacrificed tens of thousands of human beings. Oh, that's a nice thing to have on your dollar bill. Or on your peso. Meanwhile, the U.S. dollar also has a satanic image, the pyramid, the all seen eye of the Egyptian version of the sun god. One can only imagine what hideous design the new Amero currency will incorporate. Maybe they'll just have like Satan on there with horns and a pitchfork. They're just finally going to come out and just, ah, we don't care. This is, this is what we're all about, you know. It's not going to be that way, but I'm just saying. Dean Grace, a researcher and friend, who has spent many years studying the symbology of the United States $1 bill, emphasizes that such symbols as the pyramid, the all-seeing eye, the great eagle of the great seal speak volumes about America's ruling elite and their conspiratorial aims. The green color has keen significance. And a message in the occult numerology is also found in the art and the design. Meanwhile, the design of the Mexican peso also is of great interest. Because apparently the ruling elite of Mexico and the United States have every intention to soon replacing both with a peso. And the American dollar, the peso and the dollar with the new American currency, with a new currency called the Amero. In March of 1995, Waco, Texas, President George Bush, now we talked about this earlier, George Bush along with Vincente Fox and Prime Canada's Prime Minister Martin signed the Secretary Security and Prosperity Partnership, the SPP agreement, as conceived by the Illuminati's powerful organ, 
the Council of Foreign Relations, the SPP requires that by 2010, the three countries will be merged into one, the North American Union, our constitution is betrayed, American sovereignty is coming to an end, and our dollar will be replaced by the Amero. Much the same has happened in Europe with the European Union's currency. To the Illuminati, it is essential that the art and the design of the Amero reflect the new reality, the fact that the USA is forever to be ended as a functioning independent entity. The unique heritage, history, and culture of the United States must be obliterated for the psychological and emotional conquest of the citizens to be realized. See, we're going to be all, one, one nation under Big Brother. There's going to be none of this... You're going to have to fall in line, you know, in... in, in have that type of mindset. The Amero will thus be a brainwashing tool, a constant reminder carried in our pocket, wallet, and purse of every, of every resident of the late, great USA that we are no longer special, no longer a proud and separate people. Well, proud people, we're not supposed to be proud. We're supposed to be, you know, humble and, and uh, I, I don't know, calling us late, great. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. I have. A, I have a hard time even with any of that, really. Uh, but anyway, it, and it really is. It'll be. A, it'll be a constant reminder. I mean, I look at the dollar bill that you would carry around as a constant reminder as well of of the insanity, of of the evilness of this of our country. <laughs> so he says that we shall henceforth be only a regional entity a subverted and conquered subdivision of the reigning big brother global colossus. This is true meaning of the North American Union and the Amero currency. Today, economic conditions are being prepared for the dollar to be shredded and devalued in world markets. The financial crash of the dollar is inevitable. Saudi Arabia, Russia, China, Iran, Germany, and others are already beginning to go to the euro and are about to leave the dollar in the dust. Which is very, very true. Uh... They're going to start denominating more and more of these Middle East countries are going to start denominating or receiving payments for their oil in euros instead of the dollar. Every time they do that, our dollar will notch and devalue. In fact, this last week, I believe, the euro made uh, an all-time high against the dollar as far as trading goes. I think it's like, you know, it's worth, every euro is worth like a dollar thirty-two now or something like that. It was an all-time high. So we're seeing that devaluation occur. Putting a portion of your money in gold and silver, and some even in euros, would be almost a no-brainer because I guarantee you the euro will not collapse. At least short term. It's not going to collapse. There's no way. So, going back to this. No longer is the dollar king of the world currencies. It has already in the past five years lost much of its value. And today, the USA is the world's largest debtor nation. Our country is drowning in red ink. The Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. Jesus also said, oh man, no man. He said, oh no man anything. How are mortgages viewed by God? Well, the Bible says, oh no man anything. Yeah, but i got to have a house to live in. I don't care. How are mortgages viewed by God? Do you know what the word mortgage means? Mort is where we get the word mort is where we get the word mortuary, mortality, mortal. Mort means death. Gage means contract. Mort gauge, mortgage. 
death contract. When you get take out a mortgage, and I've did the math on this before, and I don't care if you're getting three percent interest or five, whatever, you're typically going to end up paying triple what the what the original mortgage note was. If you paid a hundred thousand for the house, you're probably going to end up paying three to four hundred thousand for that house in total by the time all your payments are done. Depending on what kind of payment, yes, and depending on what kind of rate, but it's absolutely outrageous. That would be referred to in the Bible called usury. And usury was forbidden in the Bible, which is, some say it's any interest. But, but even Jesus said, why didn't you put your, your, your um, money in the bank so you could get interest, this type of thing. So I'm not going to go so far as to say it's all totally, but excessive interest, I know, is called usury. Now, it depends. If you go back to Webster's 1828, they say, I think any interest is usury. So, the, I, the point is, is, I think it's better to err on the side of safety. And, um, if you're in debt, I would advise you, highly advise you, and encourage you to get out of debt as quickly as you could. Because this is not the time you want to be in a lot of debt. Debt is bondage. It's like a chain. Every debt chain you have on you. And you're not going to want to be in bondage going into the times we're living in. By the time the Illuminati and its bankers, this is going back to the article, by the time the Illuminati and bankers are through draining the dollar of every last vestige of value, the American people will be impoverished and frightened. See, that's what they're going to do. They're going to suck us dry first. Then will come our president, our Fed chairman, our banking and corporate chieftains to reassure us, to win over, to win us over to the new reality. When do you think they're going to hit us? When we're really strong or when we're really weak? And when we've already taken a massive hit? If we had something like a terrorist a nuke on, on our soil, a bird flu hit, and the, and the, and the, um, our, uh, our currency devalued, if we had, especially if we had these things in conjunction, that's when they're going to hit you. They're going to hit you when you're down. You think they're going to? You think Satan fights fair? I'm telling you, this is our future right here. The North American Union and its Amero, and that alone, they will say when this happens, they will say will save us from economic depression and money chaos. That's why we're going to go right along with it. For the most part, most people are going to go right along with it. The marrow is our future and our only hope. It's all planned, it's all contrived, and it's all by design. Every bit of what I'm talking about here. It's been planned for a long, long time. They, they, it's all smoke and mirrors, guys. This is some stage, and they've put out this big elaborate play for our benefit to entertain us and to manipulate us into doing what they want us to do. With the Amero, our esteemed leaders will caution you, will be decimated, reduced to misery without it. Or, or without the Amero, our esteemed leaders will caution that you will be decimated and reduced to misery. With it, and with the SPP, Security Prosperity Partnership, and the North American Union, you will be secure and prosperous. What a lie from the pit of hell. Yes, maybe your savings and pensions and your social security funds will be gone, vanished into thin air, your wages diminished and your economy reduced to third world status, but you will at least survive, and you will subsist if at, more, if at a more sustainable level. 
the Amero, don't leave home without it. So say goodbye, George Washington, Ben Franklin, Andrew Jackson, and others. And others. Um, whose faces you now gaze upon from the American Histological historical currency notes. It's been a grand 225-year experiment in freedom and liberty, hasn't it? And then he goes on. Evidently, he wrote a book about this a long time ago called Millennium, Peace Promises and the Day They Take Away Our Money Away. His website's powerofprophecy.com. Powerofprophecy.com if you want to get that book. And then he had a two-part uh, expose on this. And the, and the last part was stern warnings. Now, these are from... Uh, this is more to reinforce what we've already said. Every day now, more and more patriotic Americans are awakening, awakening to the threat posed to America and to the freedom by the Council of Foreign Relations elite and their lackey stooge, George W. Bush, with their traitorous plot for a North American Union by 2010. What's that? Here are the stern warnings issued by a few who just recognize the danger. Now, he, these are some warnings by some people who've, who've made quotes. This is from Congressman Ron Paul of Texas. The security and prosperity merging the United States with Mexico and Canada to form a North American Union is an unholy alliance. The goal is for a one world government. End of quote. That's Congressman Ron Paul. Here's the guy, Tom DeWeese, from the DeWeese Report, March of 2007. He said, We fear the creation of a North American Union. To do it in secret, refusing to allow us to engage in a debate before such massive changes takes place, is nothing short of treason. Well, hey, he said it right there. It's nothing short of treason. And we've had no debate about any of this. None. It's just being done... There's just no... There's no justice anymore. There, there, there really isn't. Uh, this is a guy, uh, Paul Watson and Alex Jones from PrisonPlanet.com. The SPP and the CFR, Council of Foreign Relations, molds the foundational policy for the elimination of American sovereignty. It is once again evident that the true vestiges of power lie within the ranks of the CFR and the Trilateral Commission, who act on policy decided upon the big brother of multinational semi-secret steering committees, the Bilderberger Group. End of quote. This is from Felicia Benjamin of conservativevoice.com. If someone would have told me last year that some of our leaders in government and those in powerful elite of this country were planning to merge Canada, United States, and Mexico, I would have brushed it aside as a conspiracy theory. However, as we face the huge illegal immigration issue, many conservatives are starting to put the pieces together. Now I believe it is fast becoming a reality, and no longer can we ignore the signs. Here's another thing, another interesting point. This illegal alien thing, where they've been letting them pour into our borders for all these years now, and it's getting worse and worse and worse, and they're getting more and more flagrant about it. Okay? And Vincente Fox being incensed that we would even dare put up a fence, which never did happen because that was just a lie from Bush, one of the many. We've got all these illegal aliens pouring in. They're illegal. They should be gone. Are we making any effort whatsoever to deport them? The only time they're doing that is if they catch them crossing the border. And even then, it's half-hearted. Well, what's the ultimate goal? Well, they're gonna—they're—they're they're here, and they're here to stay. Number one, when they implement this North American Union in 2010, 
hey, they've already got half the stinking nation up here that's already here. They had no intention ever from the get-go. This was all by design for us, partly at least in due, to, for, to mentally condition us to accepting all these illegal aliens here. And this is just going to go right along with it. And what they're going to do is they're going to say, yes, we've got this North American Union. We're going to finally at some point come out and say, yeah, we have it. But you know something? This is going to solve so many things because the illegal aliens are already here. It's this big problem. There's been all this debate and contention in America. Now there won't be a debate anymore. We're going to make them legal. They're going to be here to stay. No more contention. No more debate. Everybody's happy, right? See, they did it on purpose. It was all done by design. This is a guy, Ron Cowan, of Faith and Freedom Sentinel. He said, quote, President Bush and Senator Ted Kennedy, two stooges of the New World Order, laugh it up. Their guest worker amnesty, for, amnesty program for illegal immigrants is a sinister joke on we the people. Many people mistakenly believe there is a significant difference between Republicans and Democrats, socialist parties, while both continue to sell us out to the New World Order. Mass immigration is a subversive ploy to eliminate our borders for a union of the Americas and to dissolve all semblance of a constitutional republic. End of quote. Excellent quote. See, the Republicans and Democrats are mere ploys of this whole thing. They're just the two main parties, and one acts like they're against the other one, and they do a lot, and then it makes good it makes good news for all of us sheeple out there watching, oh look, they're really fighting for our yeah, see I'm on this side, I'm on oh that's exactly what they want. They that's exactly what they want, and they control both sides, and they're still moving you toward the New World Order. They're still doing it. Ralph Forbes from American Free Press is quoted saying, quote, President Bush, public publicity stint pretending to protect our borders is worse than a transparent ploy. Sponsored by the Council of Foreign Relations, the SPP is the blueprint to drive the last nail into once was into what was once a sovereign constitutional republic. End of quote. Lou Dobbs, uh, CNN news anchor, says tonight, and I've seen this video many times, excellent video. Tonight we will discuss an astonishing proposal to expand our borders to incorporate Mexico and Canada and simultaneously further diminish the U.S. sovereignty. Have the political elite gone mad? End of quote. Frosty Woolridge on Rents.com said, With what we're seeing today, America's dying. Adding 21.7 million Mexicans and other third world immigrants to this country by 2026, our death shall be much faster than Rome's. End of quote. He's right. Lawrence Patterson of Criminal Politics, quote, a highly developed secret program has been exposed to merge, dissolve, and abrogate the sovereignty of the United States. Bush is simply a front man who is jerked around on puppet strings from day to day. But nonetheless, he has carried out these decisions made by others and thus is guilty of treason in the highest degree. Could have said it better. This next quote, Congressman Tom Tancredo, Republican, of uh, this is on World Daily Net, President Bush doesn't think America should be an actual place, but just an idea. People have to understand what we're talking about here. The President of the United States is an internationalist. 
he is going to do what he can to create a place where the idea of America is just that. It's just an idea. It's not an actual place to, to be defined by borders. I know this is dramatic, but I'm telling you, this whole idea of the North American Union, it's not just something that just is written about in right wing by right-wing kooks. It is something the head it's something in the head of the United States president. Another quote by Dr. Jerome Corsi. Why doesn't the President Bush just tell us the truth? His secret agenda is to dissolve the United States of America. End of quote. I guess Tex Mars has a uh, um two-hour set. It's called The Murder of America, The Council of Foreign Relations Plot to Dissolve the United States and Establish a North American Union. He's got that uh, probably on audio cassette, tape or CD, but you can order that. And I'll include these links when, um, when I send this out in the uh, in what we were, what we were going to be talking about there uh, in that email that I'll be sending out in regard to all this. Now, something else also happened this week. Uh, up in Oregon. This is entitled, Gay Rights Bill Let's the Courts Define the Church's Purpose. Most sweeping and culturally devastating law in Oregon history. Establishing pagan morality. And this is where we're moving as a nation. Okay. Now, Oregon, from the research I've done, has more witches per capita than any other state in the United States. All the occult stuff that goes on in just Portland is unreal. I mean, so it doesn't really come as a surprise to me that this would happen in, in Oregon first. A plan being shoved down on fast track in the Oregon legislature would give homosexuals a vast range of new state laws they could use to impose their moral per- perspective on. Christians across the state, according to opponents who fear their speech and religious expression rights. See, again, it's going to be, it's going to be the homosexuals, the sodomites, imposing their religion on us, shoving it down our throat. We try to do that to them, oh, they'd be going crazy out in the streets, you know. Senate Bill Number 2 in the Oregon House of Representatives, if, if passed, will limit your free speech rights and rights of conscience, require public schools to teach that homosexual, lesbian, bisexual behavior is okay and moral, impact your rights as a business owner, and puts judges in authority on certain matters. So this is what this will do. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to limit your rights to free speech. Require that all the public schools teach homosexual, lesbian, bisexual behavior, that it's alright and it's moral. It's moral. And impact your rights as business owners. And put the judges in authority on certain church matters. This bill is arrogantly and defiantly and deceptively crafted to accomplish a lot more than what it's saying. He told World Daily Net. It definitely adds sexual orientation to the list of protected civil rights groups. But the verbiage of the bill is the verbiage has to do with the primary purpose of the church. They're really they're seeking really to gain a foothold for homosexuals into the Christian church with the court's approval. It's more than the nose of the camel. They want the whole camel in the tent to ruminate around however they would like. The word we've gotten from the attorneys is that all the bills around the country, this is the worst. This is the worst of all the bills that are going down right now, Crow said. 
Now, Crow is, is David Crow is the head of a ministry called Restore America, Christian ministry. Uh, the bottom line is that this total effort by the left to subvert our morality, our Judeo-Christian morality, impose on us a morality they consider superior. What is really is challenging everything we as Christians stand for. And I really, I, I look at this, and I look at the North American Union thing, and I look at this, and I really see that, um, like those Bible verses like where Jesus said, the night is coming when no man can work. I must, I must be about my Father's business because the night is coming when no man can work. And that's where I really see um, us being right now. There's, there's going to come a time, and it could come in the very, very near future, where... where um, a lot of us could be totally silenced, and I mean in the worst possible way. Um, uh, with a bullet in, in our heads, or, or gas chamber guillotine, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down fighting, and I, I encourage you to do the same thing, because I think that's what we're supposed to do, is fight on this earth. We're not just supposed to lay down and take this. And if we don't, then it's just going to happen a lot faster. I will say that that is an absolute total given because the New World Order is looking at your apathy level and the more apathetic we become the more quickly they will implement their agenda guaranteed now this bill would affect churches he said because it will require every church operation that isn't directly in support of its primary mission goal to be subject to mandatory homosexual hiring requirements and other restrictions let me read that again. The bill, this bill, this this Senate Bill 2 in the House of Oregon Representatives, and I believe this passed this week. This this is I think this is old news. I'm pretty sure this already passed this week. The bill would would affect churches, he said, because it will require every church operation that isn't directly in support of its primary mission goal to be subject to mandatory homosexual hiring requirements and other restrictions. So in other words, if you don't totally support this Senate Bill number 2 that says limit your free speech rights, uh, requiring public schools to teach that homosexual, lesbian, bisexual behavior is okay and moral, impact your rights as a business owner, if you don't agree with all this, the church operations that don't directly support this mission goal that I just stated will be subject to mandatory homosexual hiring requirements and other restrictions. In other words, if you don't go along with the party line, you're going to be punished. We're going to punish you even more. We're, it's, it's like taking a dog and rubbing his nose in, 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 in um, his own vomit. Because it would be like saying, we're going to punish you and slap you on the wrist because you are a 501c3 entity and we created that entity. The state created these 501c3 corporate, not-for-profit entities, these, these ministries, because the state created it, they can now dictate to you what you have to do. Well, I won't do it. Well, then they'll take away your, your 501c3 status. And all your sheep won't be able to write things off on their taxes. And, and you'll, you, you'll lose your subsidies and all whatever else they're going to do. You'll be discredited. See the problem with getting in bed with Satan? You see what it does? And if you took one of those, those, um, those, uh, if you took a 501c3 status, if you went to Caesar, if you went to the government to get your right to be able to, to proclaim what you believe is truth as a Christian, if you took a license as a minister by your state and you got licensed by the state, then they have a right 
to take it away from you because you're subject to those powers you've put yourself under. I don't remember Jesus Christ taking a license to preach or any of the apostles. I just I must have missed that chapter and verse. I don't remember I don't remember I don't remember any of the apostles of Jesus Christ and any of the gospels ever saying go out and incorporate your church, make it a corporate entity of the state so you have a right to preach. I, I just, I, I'm sorry, I forgot those those verses. Well, the Bible says obey the law of the land. Oh, well, what if the law of the land contradicts the Bible? I don't see any biblical precedents whatsoever. 501c3 corporation, what's the primary reason? Well, why? So you can get help from the government? Why would you want help from this wicked government? Well, because we want our parishioners to be able to take, their, take it off on their taxes. Well, that means, verily, you have to reward. The Bible says when you give, let not your right hand know what your left hand's doing. By the very virtue of you writing it off on your taxes, number one, what was your motivation? Why did you do it? And you have let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. In fact, the whole church probably knows how much you gave and what it was, and you get your statement back at the end of the year. How is any of that biblical? Oh me, now I'm really stepping on toes. Well, refute it. Be prepared, if you're going to try to refute this, you're going to have to refute the information I'm going to bury you with, because I'll give you, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'm just scratching the surface here. Uh, does that mean I think I'm Mr. Smarty Pants and I know, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I believe God showed me these things. And it's so obvious, and the more I research it, the more obvious it becomes. <laughs> it's like, you know, at first I was like, maybe I'm just the crazy one. But you know, after all these years of confirmation and confirmation and more confirmation, uh-uh, I don't feel that way anymore. I don't. So, now see, that's what this article doesn't get into. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's right for, for us to be going around as 501c3 entities. I just don't. I don't. Period. And I and why? Because of what I just said. But see, because you put yourself under that, this is now here's here's the reason what you sow. This part. These 501c3 entities are also going to be called on upon homeland security. To be used as pacifiers, the churches are going to be used as pacifiers when all these when all these um, things start to go down, like the terrorism events and the, and the plagues and the things like that. They're going to be called upon to present to the sheeple, their prospective sheeple people, what the government wants to mouthpiece through that church when it gets nasty. Don't believe me? Email me. I'll send you many... In fact, I did it this week. I put out an article called Satan's Master Plan to Destroy the Lord's Church. And it was really... Most of it was, was through Dr. Greg Dixon's research. But there's a lot of other confirming research out there. A lot of other confirming research on this. So, you know... And, and again, this is why I'm by myself doing what I do. I'm not in any kind of... I'm not in any kind. This is a Bible study we're doing. I'm putting it online. That's it. I don't call myself a particular church. Scott Johnstein Ministries. Like Joel Olstein. Doug, Doug printed up a little thing for me this week where, where I have a little um, globe behind me. It's, it's, it's on a piece of paper. It's not as quite as, as Joel Olstein's globe. And Scott Johnstein Ministries with, with a smiley face preacher at the bottom. 
I'm not like old Smiley Joe when he's in his stadium church, his 501c3 entity pilfering, pillaging the flock, fleecing the flock, whatever you call it. Give him a little blue, blue cream religion, a little dabble do you. I don't do that. I'm not out here begging for money and stuff like that like these. That's all they do. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> the wild root grafted in. The talks about in, in Romans. Yeah. Oh, wild root. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. So, we're not doing any of that here. So, see, I have liberty in the position that I'm in to put forth the truth. Because my life's not a popularity contest. I'm not relying on, on donations and things like that in order to keep this ministry going. I'm doing it because what God's put me in a position where I can do it. So, when you're in that position, you can proclaim and put forth truth and not have to worry about, well, what if this happens? What if my prestige goes down the toilet? Or, or what, if, what if all my donations drop off? What if, what if the government is mad at me? What if they take away my 501c3 charter? I won't be the CEO of that charter. I mean, that's what the pastors are. Pastors are the CEOs. Board of deacons are the directors. And if you don't have it designated that way, they'll come in and designate you that way. You could say, well, I don't have my corporate charter set up that way. Oh, well, that's that's fine. They did it to Dr. Dixon. They designated. He was a CEO and his board of deacons were, were the directors. Uh, the, the deacons were the board of directors. They'll do it for you. If you don't, government has a way of doing that. So... Yeah, can you imagine mandatory homosexual hiring? Well, I guess we'll just have to go along with it. I I said I'd never do it, but I I don't I can't imagine losing my 501c3 charter. I mean, I need to grow a backbone is what I need to do, but I can't. I just can't do it. Why? Because you've been in bed with the devil too long. He's taken it away from you. Your backbone's gone. It's it's gone. You cannot get in bed with the devil and have it not affect you. What's that expression? The roosters are coming home or whatever. They're coming back to roost or something. Chicken come, chickens are coming back to That's what's happening. They're, they're, now we're going to really start reaping what they're sowing. And these churches are all, I guarantee you, probably 99% are going to cave to this. Because if you've been part of this system and you've been in it, and you've immersed yourself in it, you've been like a frog that they put in lukewarm water and they turn it up to a slow boil. It's getting up to that point. By the time they realize it, it's too late. They're in too deep. It's like being in the mob. You get in so far and so deep, you can't get out. deeper you get in, the harder it is to get out. It's the same way. That's why the devil loves us to get into these contracts. If he can get us into these contracts with the state or with whoever, he loves it. Because he's got a foothold in your life. And it would, and then going back to the article, and it would leave the determination of what is in support of a church's primary mission to be determined by a secular judge. <laughs> it's coming to America. It's just, it's just happening in Oregon right now. Test, test flight there. So, could you imagine leaving the determination of what a church's primary mission is to a secular, black-robed devil judge? Which is what they are. My dad just had his company stolen from him. A company that he and my mom tried to build. They built 
through hard work, diligence, these types of things. They had a company come along and bought it. The company was corrupt and we didn't know it. They didn't know it. They bought off all the judges up where they live in, in um, Minnesota. And um, my dad's went through, through, I don't know, six, seven years trying to get this company back. He hired a man that really knows what he's doing in the tax honesty movement. We got him into court, and we almost got him into a corner. And you know what they did, finally? They hired a judge from up in Minnesota, a very prominent judge, to fly down here to Florida, where I live, rule on the case he had no jurisdiction in. He ruled on this case, and this is a federal case at this point, very serious case. He ruled on the case, ruled against my parents in every way, shape, and form, and flew back. And we've tried to do all these things to, to rebut and, and expose this, and it, it doesn't matter. They don't care. That is how evil and corrupt our court systems are. One instance of that. Just one. This happened. This just happened the last few weeks for me. So I've seen it firsthand. So then it says, it is possible, for example, that a lesbian could sue a church if, the, if she was not hired to be a pastor's secretary. For Christian business owners, it would require them to hire and promote homosexuals irrespective of religious beliefs the owner might hold. Or whether the employee agrees with its products in a Christian bookstore, for example. For parents, it means their children in public schools would be subject to state-sponsored and state-required indoctrination that that homosexual lifestyle choice is moral, even if parents hold religious beliefs to contradict that. I don't know about you, this makes me mad. I get righteously indignant. And, and, and you know something? Pray. Pray. And pray, and it's not bad to pray when you're mad. I don't. I think. I think it. I think it shows God you mean business. Not mad at God. I'm mad at the sin. Jesus got mad at sin a whole lot. He got mad at sin a whole lot. You know, all we ever hear about in the church is, "Oh, Jesus, the Lamb, the God of Love," and you know all this. He preached on hell more than he preached on heaven. He preached on sin and these types of issues more than he did anything else. He rebuked the religious of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and called them vipers and these types of things. Those are the ones he went after. Why, do you think anything's different today? That's why I go out of my way to expose all this stuff. The law, <clears throat> going back to the article, the law in this one erroneous has a clause that talks about the developing a program of education to change our attitudes. Oh yeah, well that, that's been done. That, that's, that's been going on for a long time. To change our attitudes, well, this is this Crow guy from um, uh, Restore America. He said to change our attitudes, is the government's business to change attitudes? But that's precisely what, it's in, what is in the bill. They want to put their law, their view of morality... And that's only a small minority's view of morality. They are seeking to impose that on the rest of us. Shove it down our throats. Nearly 500 Christian pastors from across the state recently gathered with representatives of the legislature to express their opposition to the proposal. 
and afterwards issued a statement that the law, if approved, would be the most sweeping and culturally devastating law in Oregon history. Establishing the pagan morality under the guise of a civil right. It is! Pagan morality! And imposing it upon all Oregonians under the cover of law. Crow noted that the 14 states that have sexual orientation to the protected classes, all except Senate Bill 2, provide clear protection for churches. Quote, not one includes wording that allows courts to determine the primary purpose of the church. But SB2 does, he noted. So they act, they've got stuff in this allowing them to, 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 to determine the primary purpose of a church. So their law goes right... It don't matter. Because if you're in one of these corporate entities and what they say contradicts the Bible because they gave you your right to exist as a corporate entity, they're, they're above God's word. You put yourself in that position though. I'm not even going to blame the law. You put yourself in that position. Now, did you do it unknowingly? I'm not saying. I'm not. This isn't an indictment on every single pastor out there like I'm against everyone. But I'm telling you, if this is the first time you're hearing this, you better do something about it. Email me. I'll get you all the proof on this. You need to get out of what you're doing. You need to change things. Crow noted... Um, no, I read that. The majority of our legislators have chosen to believe the lie that those who engage in homosexual activity cannot help themselves. Well, I'm sure that's what the people in Sodom and Gomorrah were saying when they went after the angel, when they wanted to have sex with the angel. Oh, we just can't help ourselves. Well, yeah, you get to a point where you're so stinking demon-possessed to the toenails, you can't, yeah, you just feel like you can't help. You know? Well, your conscience has been seared with a hot iron. You've been getting over a reprobate mind. Whatever. It doesn't give you an excuse to act like the devil. It's going to be no excuse when you're burning in hell. I'm sorry, but it's not. I mean, I pray they get saved, but... You know... It's not going to be... Uh, not going to be too many homosexuals in heaven. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's going to actually be no homosexuals in heaven. Not one. I'm saying maybe a former one that God redeemed and delivered. Which is very few and far spread, I believe. But I also don't want to say God's not capable of doing that because then I limit God and put God in the box. So, the majority... Um, the proposal clearly opens the door to liberal judges to define and decide the primary purpose of the church and violates the rights of everyone, said Crow, who recommends people sign a petition to encourage legislatures to oppose the plan. Uh, I think it's a moot point right now. You can go up to his website... Um, if you if you key in uh, if you just type in uh, hold on I'll give you the is it restore America restore America if you type in that when quotes you'll you'll find it uh, the governor has appointed a commission to study the issue. Oh, good. But indeed, only rep Listen to this. This is incomprehensible. So the governor, yeah, he's going to do us the right thing. He's going he's to study the issue. So what does the governor do? He appoints a commission to study it. But this commission only included representatives of liberal or gay churches. <laughs> oh, man. Leaving members of 2,500 Bible-believing and teaching churches unrepresented on the panel, he said. 
Talk about the fox guard in the hen house. You know, how much bad, worse can it get? Individual leaders from Christian organizations have already begun contacting not only their lawmakers, but government. Ted Kalanagoski. That guy's got a real heavy-duty name there. But, I mean, this is a guy you need to be praying in regard to, this governor. This Oregon legislature. Because ultimately, moving the hand of God is what will get things accomplished. Yes, grassroots efforts are all well and good. I think it's part of being proactive. But ultimately, prayer is what will change things. But the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The problem is, is there's so much iniquity in the hearts of the average so-called Christian that God can't hear their prayers. They're being hindered. So, you know, that's a, that's a big, gigantic problem. Now, this Senate bill, too, at the time of this writing, had already been endorsed by the state Senate. They, they had already approved it 5-1 to one by committee. And I believe it was approved this week by the House. I'm pretty sure. that What I'm talking about is already a done deal. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, in the House Rules Committee, an amendment was offered that would have provided an exemption for Christian churches and Christian groups in the proposal to grant broad new powers to the homosexual community by designating them as members of, of a protected minority class. However, the amendment was rejected in favor of a plan to continue to allow homosexuals to demand Christian churches to hire them where there are job openings, among other issues. And you know something? It's not that homosexuals want to be hired by a church they don't agree with. It's that they want to have the right to go in there, and when the church refuses, then they can get Big Brother on board and have Big Brother strong-arm them. That's what they want. This is still an intrusion of the state into the religious liberty and makes Christian organizations subject to state control. This is another article. Christian belief of a hate crime hate crime under plan. Backup proposal would mandate jail time for upsetting a gay. <laughs> I'm sure they like this message that I'm putting out right now. Oh well. Americans worried about the new hate crimes legislation that could be used to make criminals of those whose religious faith doesn't endorse homosexuality could be facing a two-pronged attack, according to groups that monitor those developments. The newest threat is being prepared by U.S. Representative John Conyers, the head of the House Judiciary Committee, whose work is being called the Local Law Enforcement Hate Crimes Prevention Act of 2007, according to Reverend Tenpike. Reverend, give me a break. He has said he said a he said a letter to other members of the house was intercepted by focus on the family. Oh, another stalwart of the faith. And indicated that it gives federal government even more power to create a biased motivation justice system, turning America into a police state. Michael McCarvage, director of Repent America, which is a good organization, and Pike had their had alerted their constituencies to this this new um, this local hate crimes law prevention act it's also called HR 254 or the David Ray hate crimes prevention act which would create anti-hate restrictions and penalties see they, they the, what the gays are trying to do so hard is to make that if we say anything that could be construed as offensive to a gay as a hate crime punishable by by you know a, a federal law actually punishable by jail time, all this stuff. Well, we might as well just throw out the Bible because the Bible's full of stuff 
you know, condemning the gay lifestyle. Full of it. I got whole, I got all the quotes. I mean, it's it's not any. I mean, in the Old Testament, if you were one, you were killed. You were killed. That's how serious an offense it was. Well, we're not under Old Testament law anymore. Does that not mean it's still not an, an, an affront or an offense in the sight of God? Read the New Testament. It's all in there. It said, neither the effeminate will inherit the kingdom of God. It said that in, in uh, I believe it was Romans 2, where it talked about men burning after men and, and women leaving the natural use of their body and God giving them over to a reprobate mind. Okay? I love them enough to tell them the truth. You could say I'm being harsh, but you know, hey, I'm telling them the truth. <laughs> Miscarriage told World Daily Net the plan would invert American justice, and instead of requiring evidence, it would lead to someone who claims to be offended to determine whether a crime has been committed. Again, talk about the fox guard in the hen house. That guy could say anything he wanted. Like you're going to be able to trust a, 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 a homosexual who says. Well, he offended me. Oh, well, we're gonna we're gonna have to totally take his word. Your word means nothing, and we're gonna take the sodomites' word, and we're gonna throw you in jail. The truth is not allowed as evidence in hate crime trials. A homosexual can claim emotional damage from hearing scripture that describes his lifestyle as an abomination. Whatever, not my problem. Their problems with the Word of God, not mine. He could press charges against the pastor or broadcaster who merely reads the Bible in public. The hater can be fined thousands of dollars or even imprisoned. So immediately, so there immediately was a flood of calls to Congress in opposition to this. We'll thank God for that. H.R. 254. And it appeared that the plan might not make it out of committee. In fact, records show it's still pending in the House Judiciary Committee. But Pike is... But Pike is... But Pike is says the danger is far from over. These guys don't proofread what they write so much of the time. They don't. That's why I kind of stumble over some things because the articles aren't proofread properly. And there's when you read them when when, when you're just reading it, it's one thing, but linguistically, when you try to get it out, it doesn't come out right. Um, I think H.R. 254 may be a decoy designed to absorb the bulk of the protests from Christians and conservatives because of massive protests. It may be voted down or set aside in the, in the judiciary suit. But Conyers said they will substitute the bill that's really wanted by the Anti-Defamations League, Benai Brith. Oh, one of the best. Architect of this legislation, which is this Jewish organization that, you know, can't say anything against the Jews, you can't do anything, you know, this and that, and, and it's just a front. It's just a front. Conyers could reinduce this bill very soon. Since uh, Nancy Pelosi and the House Rules Committee can speed any bill forward for a House vote, even bypassing judiciary altogether. Now again, what, what if like we had one of these scenarios that I said, bird flu, suitcase nuke, uh, some big gigantic terrorist event. Wouldn't that be a perfect time to start railroad and wireless legislation through midnight? They, they do it anyway. But our eyes are going to be so off. Something like this, or something traumatic, like like the Virginia Tech thing this week. You know, imagine that times a thousand. Our eyes would be so off. Something like this, and on something like you know the whole Virginia Tech thing, if that were to happen. Pelosi can almost immediately pull, put, oh, 
this big long name of this organization at the head of a docket and up for a vote in the House. Pike said the same plan passed in 2005, but not in the Senate. This year buttressed by a host of co-sponsors and virtually untainted by criticism, it could be sped forward. But he said the mainstream media has remained virtually silent, and the vast majority of Americans remain oblivious to the existence of the hate bill in Congress, and how it dangles like a blade of, of a guillotine over our precious and vulnerable liberty. Now more than ever, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. Again, that's what we're doing. This is, a, this is called vigilance. You know, the Bible says that we're supposed to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Well, you're just talking about legislation here. This has nothing to do with Christianity. Oh, yes, it does. Because this has to do with your right to be able to, to, to basically quote Bible. Unless your Bible's so stinking watered down, and some are, that they've removed all references to homosexuality. You know, it, it does apply to us. All of this does apply to us in a very real, biblical way. As World Daily Net has reported, such laws already have been used around the world where in Canada pastors are fearful of reading biblical injunctions against homosexuality. And in Australia where two pastors were convicted of vilifying Islam. Oh, we wouldn't want to... They can go around with the, with the signs, behead those who, who blaspheme Allah and kill all the infidels and all that. That's okay. That's alright. But we dare not say a word about Islam. Oh no. I can't call them devils? Oh, wow, that's too bad. I do. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I must not have got the memo. <laughs> oh, well. Ugh. Anyway. H.R. 254 plan proposed by Representative Sheila Jackson Lee... Democrat of Texas is stealth legislation and it's most devious. Pike said earlier, he said people take it at a glance and then they say this bill just wants federal power to prosecute bias motivated violent crimes in the states. What's wrong with that? There's plenty wrong with that, he said. First, the Constitution does not grant federal government the police state privilege of being your local law enforcement. Quote, unless the government finds evidence of slavery in the states, jury tampering, voter fraud, or crimes involving interstate commerce, the Constitution's message to the federal government is blunt and emphatic, which is but out of local law enforcement. See, when you have a one-world police state, which we're moving into, you have to have the federal government overseeing things. You have to have, and ultimately it's going to be not federal, but it's going to be one world. Okay? They want to try to take everything away from the local law enforcement and make it federal and sweeping. It's part of Satan's agenda. However, Pike said, the authors of the new legislation have been clever, inserting in the proposal assertions that because five states do not have state have hate laws, the federal government has no choice but to enhance the federal enforcement of hate crimes. That includes new ranks of federal agents to address the serious national problem that exists. It's so serious. These poor gay people are getting offended all over. Well, you know what's an offense to me? Them. They're an offense to me. I mean, the average Christian, I'm very offended by their flagrant homosexual parading around having to be seen, wanting to be accepted. It's an abomination in the sight of God. Scriptures condemn it. I'm offended by that. What about my rights? Oh, your rights don't matter. Oh, we care about the homosexuals. 
Oh, well, that's fair. Nothing like a good unjust scale and weight. God just loves that. Look it up in Proverbs. He loves those unjust scales and balances. Yet worse, there are some key players that open doors wide that many people don't want to be open. For example, Pike said the bill is, is to prevent and respond to alleged violations, meaning the government does not even have to wait until a hate crime has been committed, but may act preemptively to prevent the hate crime. Wow. And the government knows best. It's like Father Knows Best, that that show from the 50s. The government knows best. Peter LaBarbera, of Americans for Truth noted that Canada and France, both legislators, have been fined for publicly criticizing homosexuality. Three years ago, a Swedish hate crime law was put to Pastor Ake Green, who preached that homosexuality is sin, and he, they threw him in jail for a month. And recently, a British couple told how they were denied the chance to adopt because it was determined that their Christian faith might prejudice them against if the homosexual child against a homosexual child put in their care. Homosexual child? Give me a break. Well, they're just born that way, aren't they? No, they're not born that way. No. There may be there may be familiar spirits. There may be generational curses that have influenced them toward that. I know it's an absolute total common denominator with homosexuals, and this is a proven fact, that almost all homosexuals were molested by a same-sex partner early in their life, if not once repeatedly. What does that do? That allows the demons to come into that child that will also influence them to do the same thing, that the act that was committed toward them. This is called demonic possession. Oh, now you're really getting crazy. Well, the Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness, and high places, these types of things. It's a spiritual battle. These people get demon-possessed. I'm sorry. That's what happens to them. Whether it's a generational curse, whether it's a familiar spirit, whether it's through a uh, some type of sexual act. It's typically what happens, okay? So they're not born that way. Already in the United States, Catholic Charities of Boston halted all adoption operations in the state after being told under Massachusetts pro-gay non-discrimination law, only agencies that place children in homosexual-led households would, would be able to get licensed by the state. Let me just, let's read that again. Already in the United States, Catholic Charities of Boston halted all adoption operations in the state after being told under Massachusetts pro-gay non-discrimination law, only agencies that place children in homosexual-led households would get licensed by the state? Not even, you know, half and half. They had to be, you talk about corrupting a child. Right from the get-go. Put them in a homosexual home. Oh, I guarantee one thing. A couple gay guys who are pedophiles, which most of them are, if, if the truth be known. Do you know that the vast majority of the pedophilia acts, there's a disproportionate, disproportionate number of pedophilia committed by homosexuals than there are child molesters that are at least straight. Disproportionate. Way worse. I mean, it's it's off the scale almost. Could you imagine two pedophiles? We we want to we want to get um so that what so that they can molest them, they can molest their kid. 
He suggested a visit to Stop Hate Crimes Now to hear the testimonies of those who have first-hand experience with so-called hate crime laws. A 75-year-old grandmother describes how she was jailed for testifying about the Bible in the United States. Now, I, I've, I've pretty much got all this on email, so if you want this this website or these these uh, things, just email me. My, my email address is on the website there. So, it's getting bad. I mean, it's getting really bad. This lays the groundwork for the for the thought police, said one, while another said the implications of such a bill would put dissent of the government under hate speech. Offenders could be arrested and thrown into, into detention camps. Hate bill legislators need to be dealt with in a fine line. Once crossed, there won't be any re there won't be any freedom of speech. Yeah, don't think don't think that once this all this gets put in place, it's ever going to get any better. Because it's not. It's going to get worse and worse. Repent America, some of those some of whose members already have served jail time simply for proclaiming the biblical message is joining the sounding alarm. Having been charged under Pennsylvania's hate crime law for declaring the truth about homosexuality, I can assure you that if this bill is passed and signed into law, it will be used to put Christians behind bars. So anyway, that's all we got for today. And uh, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord. I do pray, God, praise you, Lord, and thank you that, Lord, we're not, that we're actually able to do this today. I don't know what next week will bring, Lord. I don't. And that's, that is up to you, God. I do pray, God, that you would keep back and stem this tide of wickedness that is being seemingly shoved down our throats. I do pray, Lord God, that you protect your Christian remnant, that we would be accounted worthy to escape all the things coming on the world, Lord. And that, Lord God, that you would intervene in our lives individually, that you would bring your remnant, Lord God, together, that you would increase your remnant, Lord God, that you would save souls that need to be saved, for what you will, that not one would perish, Lord God, but that all would come to repentance. I do pray, God, that you would forgive us for our sins. And that, Lord God, you would cleanse us of presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. I pray, God, that we would remember to put on the whole armor of God every day, Lord God, that we would be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. And I do pray, God, that these wicked works that we've talked about today, and these wicked men and women that are behind this, and these wicked evil entities, Lord God, would be exposed. And that, Lord God, they would be stripped of their protection, of their power, to implement their draconian agenda further. In the name of Jesus Christ, I realize, God, also at the same time that the Bible predicted this would happen. I do pray, God, that you use your remnant mightily in the last days, that you would use us to lead many people to the Lord Jesus Christ, that your name would be glorified through us, Lord, and that you would give us the grace to endure whatever you would have us endure, that we would not love our lives, even under the death, if it, if it be so, if, if that's what you would require of us. We praise you, Lord God. I do pray, God, for your continued hand of protection, Lord, and that the truth would go forth with boldness and might, and that your name be glorified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.